Hello and welcome to the Amateur Football Podcast. I said before we even started, this guy is not only busy, this guy is productive. It's an absolute pleasure to have fitness, sport. He like builds brands and helps athletes. This guy is absolutely amazing. Oliver Lee Collins, sports and football consultant. How are you doing, sir? Very well, man. That was an amazing introduction. Hopefully, <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can be worthy of that introduction. But uh, very happy to be here on your platform. I've been watching what you've been doing and supporting. Um, and it's amazing. So I'm very happy uh, to be here having a chat with you, man. Why like, do you think people struggle to be consistent with their exercise and also with their well-being of health as well? I think that we have been sold wellness and health and fitness wrong and i think that with the more education and the more people that are coming into it we're beginning to get um better ideas and better ways of doing things um in terms of our fitness and wellness especially for men or women that are beyond their 20s into their 30s 40s and so on i think we're told a lot that we need to be motivated go and be motivated go to the gym and work hard and this that, and the other and quite frankly, the honest truth is when you're juggling career, relationships, families, parents, you name it, kids, it's not easy to be motivated. Quite often, I'm not motivated in the morning. But what does get me, keeps me consistent, is routine. So routine, you, uh, we, we are inconsistent sometimes because we are waiting to feel motivated. And the truth is most of the time we are not motivated. Maybe... One out of four of my workouts, I'm motivated to go and do my workout. But the other three, four times, whatever, I just want to get it finished. I'm tired. I'm taking the kids to school. I've got a rush to work. I've got a million bills I've got to sort out. Real life is happening, you know. So I, we can't rely on motivation. It has to be more habit-based. This is a key word that I'm trying to filter into people's minds in fitness and wellness. Habits will take you further than motivation. Once you build the habits, once you say to yourself, all right, I take my kids to school, I have my coffee where I have my 20 minutes of peace and quiet, then I go and work out. Whatever your routine is, you have to build your workout into your routine so it becomes a habit, it come, becomes brushing your teeth. And it takes, they say, I think it takes about 66 days for something new to become a habit in your, in your psyche, in your mind. But I think we are relying too much on motivation and listening to motivational speeches and it doesn't work that way. It has to be habit. And that's my one bit of advice to men and women, people of our age and beyond, don't rely on motivation. Start, make it a habit, even if it's 10 minutes a day. If you do 10 minutes a day consistently for 66 days, 100% you will be in a better place. So just start, continue, so that it eventually becomes part of your routine. Regarding building habits, men or women, who are kind of better in terms of being consistent with building habits and why? Really good question again. My job predominantly is people-based. So I love human beings. I love connecting with human beings. That's the best. That is the most important and fulfilling part of my job is connecting with people. And I'm lucky enough to connect with people of all different shapes, sizes, colors from all different parts of the world's religion. And I, I, I really enjoy this part aspect of my job. In my opinion, I would say that women are better at committing listening to good information, carrying out the necessary things they need to, and maintaining. However, it is a little bit more nuanced than that because in the wellness gym, fitness space, it is still predominantly um, uh, male-heavy. 
So we as men need to make more of an effort to make these spaces feel more inclusive for everyone or people of all shapes, sizes, colors, what you name it. We need to make it more inclusive so that people feel um, like they belong. For example, I do a lot of work in boxing. It's, it's typically a male dominated space. And I work a lot in bringing women and children into boxing because of the benefits it has on them more so psychologically than the physical side of it. So I know firsthand that these spaces are male dominated, but when I can get the uh, children and women into these spaces, they really do nail it. I mean, I can, I can read off six or seven people in the last few years that worked in finance or worked just regular day jobs, never thought about going to a gym before, let alone boxing, who now have amateur, amateur careers. Just because they've fallen in love with the sport and they've taken the right advice from the right people. So I would say the space is still heavily populated by men and we need to do more work to ensure that everyone feels included. But I will say that once women get the right information, the right person that finds the triggers to motivate them or to push them, absolutely they are better at being consistent and building the habits and maintaining their mental, physical well-being. This question is kind of selfish, you know, um, for myself. I'm kind of just over the age of 40, just. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's the kind of best exercise for me and men over 40? Honestly, such a good question. You and I, we're the, we're the same age, and, and most of our like um, peers are entering their early 40s now. And we're lucky enough to be alive at a time where we have enough education, nutrition, science, that we can still do the things we could do in our 20s. When we look back at 40-year-olds when we were kids, they looked old. But you know, I'm still able to move and enjoy the things I could at 16, and that's testament to the education we have, our desire to continue to keep doing the things we love, better um, information on, on nutrition and so on and so forth. This question in particular is a really good one, but my answer is going to surprise you. Um, it's it's a bit, it's it, it depends on who you are as a 40 year old, or it depends what your life entails. If you're someone who's very fit and my answer might be slightly different. But if you're just a regular 40-plus person, the most important thing I could say you should do for your physical health is to walk. Mm. Walk, walk, walk. Um, I could sit here and say, oh, you know, you should do deadlifts, or you should do push-ups, or you should do uh, tricep dips, or you should do uh, clean and press, or you should do swimming. But actually, I would say walking or yoga. Those are the two best single exercises for the general 40 plus public. Um, if you're someone that doesn't do much at all, or if you're someone that does a lot, walking or yoga, you're going to burn so much more weight if you consistently add 10 minutes walking per day to your routine. You're going you're gonna to keep those muscles in your body firing much more if you just add 10 minutes per day walking, or if you do two to three yoga sessions a week so your back doesn't stiffen up. Those are my two bits of two exercises or forms of exercise I would encourage people to do if they don't do much at all, if there's someone who isn't very active. Okay. And someone like myself that's that's semi-active, that still plays football, you would like still recommend walking for me? I would recommend for someone like you who's, who's very active, um, either yoga or swimming. Because I know from first-hand experiences, also, Tabriz, you and I, we're, we're big guys, man. We're not, <laughs> we're big guys. So, 
are back. I know, for example, without even asking, you're probably going to have some back issues. I have them. Probably going to have some knee issues or perhaps some ankle issues. So yoga or swimming or walking, something low impact is going to help to strengthen, keep your body weight down, but utilize all areas of your body. Obviously, there's exercise you can do like a... A bodyweight exercise is going to be amazing for you. Squats is a really important exercise for you to, you to do. But in general, walking, Pilates, yoga, swimming, something gentle like that is going to make massive, massive roads of um, impact to improving your well-being. You are um, a plant-based athlete. And, you know, that's something that you that you kind of uh, promote. I'll be absolutely honest with you. I didn't have a clue what plant-based Yeah. Uh, diet is um and uh i'd like love to know why why you think a plant-based diet is better than the standard diet that um people consume and also what kind of plant-based foods should we be eating that can kind of give us like the kind of high in protein and and the and the kind of healthy nutrients that everyone needs i've been meat free for over 10 years now so just Mm -hmm. i think when i hit about 30 I began to like, I, I cut meat out. Um, I'm not one of those people that likes to push it on others. I'm, I'm, I like to present it as this is who I am. And if you ever need information, I can give you the honest truth. Because I think there's a fine line between pushing it down someone's throat and just saying, hey, man, if you want if you want to learn a bit, I'm here to, to help you. In terms of being plant-based, why it's better, and I want to make it really simple, there's loads of reasons why being predominantly plant-based is better than being predominantly meat-based. But the number one reason, I really want to get this across to everyone who's watching, is heart health. Heart health. When you eat meat, you're consuming a greater amount of trans fats, fats, cholesterol. All of these things will decrease the um, quality of your heart health. By eating more plant-based meat or just plant-based foods, you are going to actively decrease uh, or improve your heart health. Heart health or de- uh, dehabilitation of the heart is one of the main reasons that we human beings die prematurely, in particular men. So the number one reason for reducing your meat intake, you don't even have to stop eating meat, but reduce it is to improve the quality of your heart. It can lead to heart attacks, uh, heart disease, all of these issues, the main issues are one of the main killers of human beings around heart dehabilitation. And uh, and what foods could could let we be eating to to literally change change our diet from from like you know meat to to plant based? So if you're someone who, for example, you like having a burger, there are so many amazing plant based burgers now. And again, everyone's different. So what works for me might be different for someone else. Mm-hmm. But you could you could literally have a plant-based burger, which will taste better than a real beef burger. It'll be less fat, uh, less cal- calorific, less trans fat, um, higher in protein, higher in fiber, which is good for you. So there are only positives. So a plant-based burger, you can replace that with a beef burger. But also lentils, pulses, beans, leafy greens, broccoli, tofu, tempeh, all of these things are plant-based products that are actively better for you, high in protein, high in fiber. Um, they're going to actively improve your quality of life, help you reduce weight, and help you to be uh, healthier. And you can have all of those things or some of those things, just depending on what appeals to you. 
in the time that I've become plant-based, my level of cooking has improved so much because I've really <laughs> had to take the time. I really have to take the time <laughs> to like educate myself. Because at first I did I did what most people do. because uh, I wasn't having enough chicken, you know, I was raised on chicken every day pretty much. Mm-hmm. I was having more potatoes and I was having more bread, which is a very common mistake where people try to go plant-based. So then they actually put on weight because they're replacing the protein mm-hmm. with bread and carbs and, and more stodge, which is counterproductive. So do a little bit of um, research, find three th- recipes that you really like and just learn to make them. I make chickpeas all the time. I can make chickpeas taste like the best food on, on the planet. So chickpea curries, I eat a lot of Aital, Aital stew, some really, really good meals I make. Uh, and it just depends on what you like. But there's so many substitutions for meat. And again, you don't have to give up mate, meat, but I would encourage everyone to reduce their consumption of meat. Mm. I'm like really intrigued. And uh, I know that the audience are as well um, to like know what's kind of been like the biggest challenge in your, in your career thus far. Hmm. I would say, and I reckon that there's a lot of people in our generation that have this, probably imposter syndrome. Mm. You know, I've been in a lot of rooms with influential and powerful people. You know, I'm a boy from a council estate in Brixton, you know. <laughs> you know, so I, I've been lucky enough in my career to go to some important places and, and, and do good work. So sometimes when you're sat in these rooms, or for example, if I'm teaching a class of 150 people, I could be teaching a class of 150 people and it's just me on a stage teaching them. Sometimes you, I get the, the, the moments of imposter syndrome. Am I good enough to be here? Are these people judging me? I think these are moments that we all go through and we can all resonate with. Or I might be sat there with a football club and a football player and telling them uh, what's wrong with what we need to work on to improve the physicality of their player or this athlete or this this runner or yeah so there's definitely moments even now where I have uh, moments of imposter syndrome and I think to myself are they going to figure me out are they going to realize I don't know what I'm talking about but they're just moments and I think in, in later life I've learned to realize that good moments bad moments insecure moments they're just moments they'll pass and then I take comfort in the fact that I've done the work over the last 20, 25 years, I've done the work. And then kind of you take a breath and you get through it. But I would say probably, and I would imagine it will happen for the rest of my career, every now and then I'll get a bout of imposter syndrome. I've had the pleasure of playing with Ollie and um, levels, level, levels, levels. That's the only thing I have to say. There's kind of literally levels of football and Ollie was levels above everyone. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I'll pay you later. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, um, I'd like love to kind of get to know what your kind of biggest takeaway uh, mm. was from, you know, your kind of professional football uh, career. And, and actually what, what like, lessons have you kind of taken into your career and kind of also um, in your family life as well? Um, such a good question, man. I think first and foremost... The reason I started playing football when I was a kid is because my mum used to drag me around the markets on the weekend. Uh, and I know that a lot of lads like us have got PTSD of being dragged around like the <laughs> <laughs> on the weekends. 
And I was like, I've had enough of this. I can't, I can't play football. And I was terrible to begin with, but it was either that or go to the market on a Saturday with my mum. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> oh, mate, you're so true. Oh. I've got PTSD now just thinking about the sounds and, like, being dragged around, pulling, you oh. know, the old... Yeah, bro, with them trolleys, bro, with, with the, the two wheels. Oh. Hours. Oh, hours. mate. Oh, you take me <laughs> back, man. You take me back. Oh. Uh, yeah. But first of all, I would encourage every parent out there <laughs> go and find your child a individual sport and a team sport to play. It doesn't matter how serious, how good, how bad. Just get them to experience working in a team and working by themselves. Sport, honestly is the answer to so many things, in particular with young people and all, and older people. And um, it has given me so much, so much. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for what football gave me. I remember my mum used to say to me when I got released, or when it was quite obvious that I wasn't going to go to the top of the Premier League, I remember my mum saying to me, that well, that was a waste then. And I remember 10 years having that conversation with her and saying, well, actually, mum, look at what I have. And it's all because of the 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 commitment I put into football and you allowing me to go. Everything I have is as is a consequence of my education in football. Mm. Everything. Every day you have to prove to your you have to prove who you are. In sport, you can't cheat. You can't cheat because when you're going to war with your teammates, you have to look them in the eye and know they're gonna back you up. I can remember looking in your eyes and knowing, yeah, that whoever's facing me and Tabriz has got problems. Because we're right. both six foot plus and we both yeah. don't shy away from a challenge. 100%. So like that. And then you quickly learn to know when you look in some people's eyes, they just haven't got it. And it's not about talent. It's about can you go to where I'm prepared to go physically and mentally to win, to succeed? And I know that you know, I know that you know what that means. And even today, when I go into some rooms and I'm with guys who are in their 20s or I'm playing a football match with guys in their 20s, I know in my head I've already won. Mm. Because I know that they can't go where I can go physically and mentally. And that's the education of growing up in a tough environment um, and having to prove that you have what it takes every single day. Mm. So I'd say that's probably my biggest takeaway from football is I'm, my hunger and desire every time I wake up is I know it's unmatched. I will not be at work. Love that. I mean, Ollie, um, <laughs> I just want to say from the kind of bottom of my heart, uh, I've been kind of literally watching, I've been kind of watching you and, and, and like, you know what? It's kind of not only your kind of footballing prowess, it's literally what you do with your clients and also, which is really, really important to me, is literally how you integrate that with your family as well. Um, like the love that you have for your family is just, again, like unbelievable because like, I, you know, I kind of see, you know, everything that you do on socials and and it's genuine. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, um, you know, men, men our age, I know some like men find it really hard to kind of li literally show that kind of soft, vulnerable side. Yeah. So yeah. how do you navigate that 
um, with your kind of family circle, your friendships as well? Family's always been the most important thing to me. Um, so there have been times in my career where I've been so busy and done so well at work that my family haven't gotten the attention from me they deserve. And I think, especially going through the pandemic, when I had the flip side, I was with my family all the time. And a good friend of mine said to me, you know, you, you'll never regret any time you spent with your family. Um, and for me, it's just the most important thing. Like when I finish work, I'm excited to go and spend time with my children. Uh, I'm excited to spend time with my partner. And I just put everything into them. Everything else is secondary. The most important thing I can do in my life is give my partner, my children, my time, my love, my energy, my nurturing, everything else who comes second. No matter, it doesn't matter how much money you offer me, what job you offer me, wherever you're trying to take me, it will always come second to my family. And I think we can often forget that. Yes, I know life is tough. Life is tough for all of us. But if you have your family, everything else is that much easier. So I always will never, ever put them second. They'll always be first. And I incorporate them. Like, uh, I think if anyone meets me, they meet my family because I speak about my family. Like, I wear them on my sleeve. Um, and I think that partly comes from just not growing up with a, with a dad. I think I, because I long to be, have my dad around, I think I eventually grew into the dad that I wanted to have. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so um, yeah, it's the most important thing to me. Also, in my work, I'm lucky enough to be able to bring them around sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough to work my own hours um, so I can take my kids to school. I get the chance to program them in the morning. Mm -hmm. So if I see they're down, I can make sure they realize that life is amazing. There's so much to look forward to. You have to be positive. If you feel any emotions, express your emotions. Excuse me. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel anger. Express it with your words. It's normal. Don't hide away from these things. Experience them. Let the moment soak you and then move on vulnerability as a man is very difficult for lads that grew up like us because we grew up in a bit of a jungle where if you showed vulnerability, that was seen as weakness. 100%. But then once you live through that and you build your confidence the right way by learning how to navigate difficult situations, by building your physicality in a gym, by, by fortifying your mind, I think the ultimate sign of masculinity and how you can impart that on your family is to be incredibly gentle. Like I am incredibly gentle as much as I can because I know that if I need to, I can find that I can find that inner aggressiveness when necessary because I've lived through it. Mm -hmm. But I think the ultimate sign of masculinity is being physically and mentally strong, but choosing to be incredibly gentle. You like said that you didn't have your dad around. Um yeah. Do you feel some sort of resentment and, you know, um, what is your relationship with your father now, if you do have one? Um, I think for a long time when I was very young, it was just sadness. Then anger, then resentment. But then you get to a stage where um, you either have to let it go or let it continue to consume you. And I chose to let it go. It's not easy. Sometimes I still wake up and I find myself thinking, why did that happen? 
you know it's it's an ongoing process in life uh sometimes you're okay sometimes you're not but i know the thing that makes me feel better is knowing that i became the father i wanted to have for myself so i am the father i wanted for my eight-year-old self to my nine-year-old and my five-year-old of course it's difficult and it's it, it it's something that was rife in our generation wasn't it like yeah. most of us grew up in single parent houses so we 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 raised each other we looked to the wrong role models sometimes if we were lucky enough to have a good football coach they played a massive part in our but we raised each other didn't we mm-hmm. and now when i look at our peer group i don't literally i don't know one single father that doesn't absolutely adore and love and take care of the family not one so I think, yes, it, it, it was challenging and tough for us. But on the flip side, we are completely the opposite in, in our generation. I mean, the way we grew up, we're lucky enough. to we, we know hundreds upon hundreds of lads just from growing up in football. And how many of them off the top of your head do you know that adore their kids? Or when you see them, they say, how are your kids? My kid's doing this. So I think, I yeah. exactly. So out of a bad thing came an amazing thing. 